Locked on Nationals podcast, Josh Neighbors here. Want to let you guys know today's episode is Tyler Kading and myself discussing the 2020 MLB draft. Our thoughts on this. I, I wanted to post it last week, but I decided that because of the Black Host Roundtable, that episode was too important. I wanted that to be the last thing we posted last week, so you all had a few days to listen to it. And um, I thought it was important that it just stood by itself and I didn't bookend the week with another podcast. So if you have not heard that podcast yet, please go back and listen to that one. A lot of great conversations from a lot of um, a lot of our hosts, you know, a lot of important conversations happening there. So please go back and take a listen to that um, as well. All right, here is our episode today discussing the 2020 MLB draft, uh, the Nationals moves, and just and also, a, you know, kind of a 30,000 foot glance as well, too. Fun conversation with my man Tyler Kading. 3 2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast. Your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Locked on Nationals podcast. Tyler Kading joins me now. Tyler, um, weird. it was just a weird draft, and it was a whole lot of people like being like, here's the one knock on the guy, and we didn't get any tape on him, so... Uh, you know, this year. And so it's going to be, you know, it'll be a big, um, you know, big question mark to see how he does. That was the last part of the draft. Like the last, I mean, from the second round on, it was a whole lot of, you know, speculation. Um, the first round, a lot of guys that we like, Spencer Torkelson going one was no surprise. Uh, your guy, Heston Kirsten, <laughs> went number I two. Stunned, I was stunned by this. I, I, I mean, how good do you feel? This. He hasn't played a major league baseball inning yet, but I mean, there's some validation. You were you were on this very podcast um, in, I believe, February, touting or January, uh, February or March, touting a while ago. Yeah, touting this young man. Um, surprised to see him go too. I was I was stunned when I saw their logic behind what they wanted to do. I was not surprised once I figured out what their actual plan was. I thought for sure they were going to, I thought, I really thought it was going to be Austin Martin at two. The entire time I was, that was my full belief on this was it's going to be him. Here's the thing with Heston. When you put, when you put Kierstad in Camden Yards, Camden Yards is basically a sandbox. It's, you, get, you hit the ball out of that place really easily. Dude's a massive power back. I think it's a perfect fit there. I just did not expect it. Plus the under slot. Granted, Baltimore did get screwed over later in the draft. Why, and I think if they had to do it again, they probably wouldn't have taken him at two. But I'm so happy to see that happen because I thought he was the third best player in this draft. So to see him go up that high, I think it's absolutely amazing. I was, I was a bit surprised, too, to see that um, Max Meyer was the, was the first pitch, pitcher taken. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be Ace Lacy. 
I'm a big Ace Lacey guy. Um, but I guess the Marlins saw something they liked it. And I mean, to the Marlins' credit, like I think they've done a decent job. Um, yes. I got Arm Layton locked on Marlins. They did a pretty good job scouting pitching talent as of late. I mean, they've, they've, I think the way that they've been developing it, you know, it's almost the kind of Nationals esque. They've just been really hammering the pitching. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, but they, they must have seen something they liked a lot in Meyer to go with him there as the first pitcher. I mean, a couple of things about the Marlins. One, if you were to go look back to the Christian Yelich trade right now, and obviously they don't have Christian Yelich anymore. Christian Yelich is arguably the second best player in baseball. The return they got for Christian Yelich realistically is not that bad. They got a couple really, really good players in that trade, and they've done a really good job developing them. Everyone's saying, laughing at their front office for what they've done um, since Jeter took over, and that's trading Stanton, tra- trading Stanton, trading Yelich, trading Lazuna, trading Real Muto. If you look at the return they got for a lot of those guys, Sixto Sanchez is really good. Jordan Yamamoto is really good. They got him in the Yelich trade. I don't like I Matt Meyer anywhere near as much as Asa Lacey. I'm with you. Is This pick should have been Lacey. But I'm tempted to say that at least in a little some capacity, and we're, I'm not going to get vindicated or proven wrong about this until three, five years down the line, they know what they're doing in terms of the minor league level because they've done a really nice job getting bringing these guys up. And they're not stars, none of the guys they've gotten so far at least. But you have some really good players and that young players in that organization. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for Max Meyer, even though I really did not get that pick. I think realistically, he might be an incredible reliever. He probably could be a really solid reliever in the MLB right now. I would have taken Lacey or I would have taken um, Emerson Hancock. Those were the two guys I think were the best mm-hmm. two pitchers in the draft. But I'm going to give them a, at least some benefit of the doubt here. That's about, I think the first time I've ever praised Derek Jeter, but I think they know. I think they, at least in some sense, know what they're doing. Uh, another surprise was Austin Martin falling to five. I saw some stuff on Twitter saying that, hey, this is kind of the price you pay for having a Scott, uh, you know, being a Scott Boris client. I don't believe that. Um, I mean, maybe. But Wilkerson was a Scott Boris client, and that was the most slam dunk pick we've had. That was, right. a, that was a slam dunk pick for a year now. Right. I, I believe that was. That... Yeah, I believe it was a conversation around it. I mean, look, I, I liked Martin a little bit more than I like Torkelson. Um, he's the guy just freaking rakes. He's just, it's what he does. They'll find a place for him. And for the Blue Jays, who are just building upon building upon building on young guys, this is another guy that I don't think it's going to take that long for him, barring, you know, something that's unforeseen. I don't think it's going to take that long for him to find his way up to the major leagues. It's going to be all about finding him a defensive spot where Mm -hmm. he can settle in. That's the big question with him. But, like, I mean, you're an American League team you'll be able to find a place for him. Like he just get, get his ass up to the major leagues and let him rake. And, um, you know, Toronto for being in a division where you're, you're in, you know, a division with two of the teams that love to spend money in the Red Sox and the Yankees. And uh, you're also at the competing, you also compete with the Rays who are one of the best run franchises in all the of the, the all run franchise. maybe in all of the sport, yeah. you're the best run franchise, one of the best run franchises in all of sport. Um, you know they're going to have a case to be competitive here, and that and while right now it looks like the um, the NL East is the most competitive division in baseball as it stands, uh, the AL Central is, or the excuse me AL East is going to have something to say about that here in a couple of years. It looks like I'm gonna, I'm not a big Austin Martin guy, and I the, the type of the type of players that I love are the ones with the the toolsy guys, the ones that are 70 grade in at least one aspect. Mm-hmm. Austin Martin's not that guy. Austin Martin's just good in everything but not great in anything. 
And those, okay. I'm not a fan of those kind of guys. So this is about where I would have personally taken him is the fifth, sixth best player in the draft. And so I think the spot's fair. I expected him to go too because I don't, there aren't many front offices that like those toolsy, those 70 grade power guys. But that, you look at this Blue Jays team three years down the line, you have your shortstop locked up for a long time. I legit, I legitimately think Robichette could be an MVP candidate one day. I'm really, I've been really high on Kevin Biggio for years now. And I really think he's going to be a stud. We have Vlad there. Lourdes Gurriel is going to be pretty good. That outfield, you have a couple guys there. I think are going to possibly be a couple um, that are going to be able to be raking and still in a couple years. You have a really, really good lineup. The issue is, outside of Nate Pearson, you, is that pitching staff all that great? And that's my, that's my question mark, I think, with the Blue Jays right now. And I don't know if they're pitching depth in their um, prospect pool is good enough to where they're going to be able to do it without a lot of outside help. And if they don't spend money in free agency, which that's not an organization you typically hear spending money in free agency. Plus there's the whole moving to Canada thing that I think is a big turn off the free agents. I think that's where you're going to run into some problems. They run in a different, um, in a different sphere than everyone else because of that, which isn't exactly fair, but, that's my one issue with the Blue Jays is I'm not as big on Alec Manoa or on Sidney Woods-Richardson as I think a lot of people are. And those are their two and three pitching prospects. It seems to be a rake first, ask, ask questions later approach. Which I like. I, and yeah. I like that. I like that on the surface. It's just I don't trust them to spend enough money to make it work. All right. That's fair. That is fair. Um, Five of the first 11 picks are Southeastern Conference guys. Uh, and then there was, like, no more until the end of yeah, the Yeah, I know. <laughs> Something like that. Houston, Lacey, Martin, Hancock, and then you um, crochet uh, at – who I love – look, I, the White Sox, they've, they'll just keep telling you that they're two years away. Um, but on the, on the real, I, I like Eric Crochet a lot. I'm, I'm like – and here's the thing is the superlatives are great. If you watch the draft, Every pitcher was like the best at something. They're like, this guy is the best. You were, you were either, competitor. either Steven, either Steven Strasburg, um, you Aroldis Chapman, or Clayton Kershaw. It was just one of the three. It was. They're like, this guy is the best competitor in the draft. Stuff. This guy has the best pure stuff. This guy has the best refined stuff. You know, and it was, it was like, and I know drafts are like that sometimes, but I feel like in this draft there was just a lot of like gassing these guys up more than other drafts like it was it felt like like more than nfl more than nba like you'll get a bit more of the critical critical side of things i mean i guess maybe because it's because the unknown factor but i feel like for a lot a lot of the like a lot of these guys it was a whole lot of um like this is what they did well the rest i guess we'll just have to see I think, I think a lot of that's because you don't see that with the high school guys because they're high school guys. You're saying you're comparing seven – at that point, you're considering 17-year-olds to all of famers. That's never, right. fair to any, that's never fair to anyone. There was what? It was of the first 10 picks, I want to say eight of them were college guys. It was yeah. just hassle that worked. And that's the we – we ran into the record for the most, most consecutive college guys to start the draft. We hit the record for the most college guys picked in a draft. So I think there's a lot more of, oh, look, this kid's 21 years old. He's been hitting 500-foot home runs for four years now. He's probably going to be able to hit 500-foot home runs for another 10. Whereas, whereas a high school guy, oh, he just grew into his body and started actually hitting the baseball last year, which we're not going to compare that guy to a 
um, Carlos Beltran or anything like that. So I think that's a lot of the reason you saw something like that. But you're 100% right. It was, everyone was the best at something, which I think that's also ESPN finally covering the MLB draft. That's a lot of their sort of yeah. how they how they cover drafts or a lot before we get to the nationals picks you know how we all everybody like twitter was joking that the nfl draft was going to be a technical disaster do you remember that i mean people yeah, yeah. Like, the, 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 it went well the nlb yeah. draft was the technical disaster that the nfl draft did not end up being i mean god bless carl ravage but he had to deal with a lot of people on zoom or skype or whatever they had some issues at one point where i don't know if um Clearly, Matt Vaskersian on day two, I don't know about yeah. day one, Matt Vaskersian was not hearing Carl Ravitch or the in-studio crew, so he would just start going, and the in-studio guys would have to cut themselves off. And at one point, also, too, Matt Vaskersian said, you know, we're going to have these heroes, I guess some first responders, we're going to introduce the next picks or whatever. Just didn't happen. He's they, like, they, they, had a couple of, they had a couple of those on day two. They didn't do it for every pick. But they had a, no, but it happened later than it was supposed to. They just broadcasting at least a little bit. Right. Well, they were supposed to. Yeah. It was supposed to start. I, yeah. It was like with the Pirates pick, and like it was just Matt Vaskersian sitting there on the screen for like you know 15, 20 seconds, and it was just like very awkward. And, and they had some issues. Uh, Carl Ravage going after Carl Ravage is effing awesome. Like he awesome. is. Yeah, he's a, like if you don't dislike that guy, f off. He's he's great. Yeah. He, he does uh, college basketball in the SEC, which we love. You know, you and I are big fans of that. Also, too, the guy knows. I mean, I saw him at the SEC tournament, and he was getting ready to call a basketball game and took a call to, you know, he's taking a call to talk about some baseball, the White Sox with somebody else. I mean, the guy is a hard worker. He went after Rob Manfred, went after him. Love to see that. I'm glad someone did because no one has so far. They, were, they interviewed Scott Boris in the, in, like fourth, in the fourth round of the draft, and there was not one question, and I was stunned by this. There was not one question about the return to play, which isn't his job. Well, I don't think they wanted – so I wouldn't let – because here's the thing. I would not let Scott Boris get up on his soapbox because you know what he's going to do. But he, but at the end of the day, who's going to – he's probably the most interesting perspective on it. I, yeah, I mean, he's, he he's, he's going to articulate a player's point – like the, the player's point of view. Which, yeah, which, yeah, he is, but to actually hear – because we haven't heard public comments on him. Trevor Bauer put him on blast. We haven't heard anything about that. He's yeah. kept of a low profile, at least a public low profile yeah. throughout this entire yeah. thing. And I was really surprised it was not brought up at least once. So he did make some he did make some really good points. I'll say if you haven't watched that interview, go watch it because he gives yeah. about a 15 minute answer to how to actually grow the game of baseball, which is really in depth and really a really good explanation and good answer to the question. So go watch that if you haven't. Um, but I was stunned that it did not come up. Uh, the the eye rolling by Carl Ravitch at the end of like when Rob Manfred answered his question, yeah. he was just like, "Oh my god!" I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. He's like, "Get this shill out of my face!" <laughs> this guy is just here to to you know just spout these things off. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the fact they pushed the draft to ESPN two yesterday. I mean, you know, put it on ESPN. Why not? It, it, the Sports Center was on the main ESPN. I didn't get that either. I mean, even a lot of the hardcore baseball fans aren't fans of the draft because realistically, the well, the Cubs, the Cubs dude that was drafted, I only know this because of the whole Little League World Series, the, that story that right. happened. Right. The, the story that happened. He's not. He's 17 years old. He's not going to be in the major leagues probably until 2024. 
Right. So, I, mean, I don't. I don't blame even hardcore baseball fans for not being draft well, fans. Well, also too, there's usually games happening. Like your team is usually playing while, like you know, I, I mean, the draft is usually on MLB TV. If you're, you know, if you're at a sports bar, it would be on in the corner, and you know, your the local team would be on the big screen. So you know, like your team is actually playing a game too. Um, the, I would ask you about the the. the the Cubs pick because the interesting thing about this pick was, you know, it's Ed Howard, like you said, he's, he's a shortstop um, black kid. And what was interesting was he was asked, I thought it was a decent question from Carl Ravitch. People on Twitter were like, why was he the only person who was asked about the ongoing events? I had, I had the exact, I had the exact same question. Why I, was he the only one? Okay. So, but here's my, here is my thought on this. Yeah. There, I think for Carl to ask that question, there must've been something said previously because you saw Austin Martin was wearing a more than an athlete shirt. Yeah. Um, and I believe, you know, I believe he's, I forget uh, what, what ethnicity he is, but he, you know, is somebody who was obviously, you know, not white and he had that shirt on. So, um, and I thought his answer was good. I didn't have as many problems with it. I thought there was a reason for the, ask the question and I thought his answer was articulate. So the, to me, it made me think that there was some kind of um, rapport before that to where like that was going to be a question that was going to be asked. There might have been, but just the optics of ESPN only asking that question to Ed Howard is, I think, uh, I think that's a little bit of a... Bad look. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's either you bring it up to at least more than just the first African-American picked, like the biggest, biggest profile. I mean, realistically, Ed Howard is one of the biggest profile guys in this draft because of that Jackie Robinson West team right. from back in the day, because that was a big, that, that was a massive story. nationwide story. Huge story, yeah. Yeah. So he was one of the higher profile guys. So maybe you can play it off and saying, oh, we just, he was one of the higher profile guys. He also happened to be an African American this time of the world. This, what's going on in the world right now with all the protest, with all the um, protests and the fights for racial equality and all that, we thought it was a fair question. That's fair. It was a good question. He gave a good answer to it. I just think it looks, suspect to say the least to have that be the only person you're asking to yeah no, i don't totally see it that way i'm just saying but like you know yeah. if, if they did i'm not saying i agree with that i'm saying if they did i think maybe there's a chance that um he like th it was something that was discussed before I'm I'm guessing it, it probably was i'm, well, I'm, that's, that's, I'm just saying no. keep an open mind to um, yeah. and not just you i mean I, i'm saying everybody keep an open mind to maybe that was a possibility yeah um, no, I'm, I'm willing to i'm willing to bet that yeah. was I, I just would have liked to see them ask that question to at That's least fair. one to at least one white draft. Pick. Totally, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, but like you're not asking like, hey, Emerson Hancock, what do you think about what's going on with the? You know, it's just the whitest guy, whitest name ever. Um, speaking of pitchers drafted, today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com the Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you sports performance bar in the game today. 
They've got 16 flavors, all of which have chocolate. Eight are with nut. Eight are without nut. Right now, if you go to the website builtbar.com and use the code Locked On, you'll get $10 off on your first order. And right now, they're also running a special too. Everything is up to 50% off, and all the profits will be donated to charity to help COVID-19 relief. So go there now if you buy their Built Bars or their Built Boost, which are the sports performance drinks they have as well. Those, uh, the funds, some of them will go to charity to help fight COVID relief. Cade yeah. Cavalli is a Nationals pick. Uh, Savali, I mean, Manfred called him Cavalli, Savali, whatever. Yeah, I've always, I, I'm probably, I'm, he's probably right. I've always said it's, Savali, it's but he's, you probably, know, he's probably right. So, you know, it's, it's pronounced Francisco Cervelli and spelled with a C, whatever. Uh, from <laughs> Oklahoma. But, um, if you know, in terms of like par for the course, and the Nationals got an exciting guy. It's a guy that we didn't think would be available at 22. But he the Nationals just, I mean, just the Nationals are addicted to taking right-handed pitching. It's just like, it's just what they do. They're 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 in a completely. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Toronto about the whole you fill your prospect up with bats. That I agree with. If you're willing, if you're willing to spend money, which yeah. Nationals have Strasburg, Corbin, um. Strasburg, Corbin, Scherzer, they're willing to spend money on pitchers. So I think it's very interesting to see, and there's two schools of thought on it. I'm more like the Cubs-Astro school of thought where the guys that you're drafting that are going to be winning the World Series for you are your prospect bats. Obviously, the Astro took two pitchers. Both of them fell off. Their high picks that they got that were hitters were Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. Those guys started the World Series teams. The Cubs had the number two number of top three pick multiple years in a row go Schwarber Bryant, two guys that were key contributors to their World Series team. Right. That's my school of thought on it. I think it's very interesting to see Mike Rizzo's school of thought on it because they've just gone pitching for oh I mean they oh, went yeah. they went two first round pitchers last year, a first round pitcher again this year. I think I and I like all those guys. I really like Kate Cabali. I love Jackson Rutledge. I I'm a i I'm I so high on that guy. Yeah, that guy is that guy's a he's gonna be a monster. I mean he's just and gonna Mason, be and I like Mason Denver. So I mean Seth Romero too, another guy who's just got tons of personal problems, but he's like this awesome, you know, pitching prospect they have. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so they they well, you look at the um I'm looking at their um pipeline thing right now. They have ten prospects. They have their top ten prospects. One of them is a major leaguer that just hasn't had enough time at in the major leagues in Seabroom. Right. The other nine or the one the other ones are short the number two is Luis Garcia is a shortstop, the other eight are pitchers. Right. And then you add Kay Cavalli, who's probably going to be in the top five, another pitcher. I just think it's very interesting to see, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, Right. You what Mike Rizzo is doing of having your entire farm system be quality arms. Yeah, I mean, they're, at some point in time, they're going, to have to, they're going to have to get some more youth for the fielding positions. But, I mean, they're an old team, yes. But if you look at the guys that are on the roster, I mean, look at Soto, Robles, even Michael A. Taylor. I mean, I know he's not young, but he's young enough. He wants to run Keeboom. Keeboom. Yeah, Keeboom. Keeboom. I mean, I mean, they've got they've got enough youth around Trey Turner. Like they've got younger guys around, so it's not like you know they're just absent. And and Garcia is somebody that I mean everybody's just super super high on. Um, Keeboom. You know, the jury is very I'm much. Not, I am not a Carter Keeboom guy. No, no, no. Yeah, and and so I think that's the one challenge for the Nationals. But like. I guess the thinking is in a draft like this, when a guy like Cavalli falls to you at twenty at twenty two, you can't not take him. And yeah, I I agree with that. The only issue I have with something like that is 
if you wanted to go for an arm, if you wanted to go for an arm, getting another college arm that's theoretically going to be ready in a year or two is not the way I would have. If you wanted to draft an arm, I would have gone with the Nationals. I would have gone over slot and gone with high school. I would, or I would have gone over slot. I would have either gone with McBitsko, who I think had the highest um, ceiling of any of those guys, or I would have gone with, um, forgetting his name, the Georgia. Um, they had the Padres picked. Uh, I'm, I don't yeah. know why his name's escaping me. The other but, um, their second pitcher. Yeah, yeah, but I would have I would have gone with an overslot. I would have gone with a guy with a higher ceiling because you have a ton of guys right now. If you look at the ETAs, Jackson Rutledge, twenty twenty two, Mason Denneberg, twenty twenty, Will Crows, twenty twenty. Um, Cavalli's probably gonna be twenty twenty one. So you have a lot of pitchers coming in. I guess better to have too many than too little, but. I would have gone for a guy that's probably going to take three or four years, but that's going to have a lot higher ceiling. That would just be me. I like Cavalli. I just don't think he fit the Nationals, what the Nationals needed in their farm system. Uh, Cole Wilcox is the other yeah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cole I was, I'm going to say this, though. Like, they, their bullpen needs help. And, I mean, if these guys can come up and provide the bullpen with some kind of help, because the thing is, like this team, I mean, these guys are probably not to be up for a couple of years, though. That's the that's yeah, I mean, but their bullpen's still going to need help. Like they're every like just bullpen always needs right. Help. But this team, this team is, I mean, look, they've got Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. They're probably gonna get two or three more good years out of Scherzer, and good it can be relative. But like you know, of him performing at a above average level, um, because I just think of the way he pitches. Like he, his body's going to wear down. Like it's just eventually going to wear down. You um, think? Yeah. Strasburg for the sake of me being a fan of a national league team, right. it better wear down. Strasburg prime, um, Corbin prime, right? So I mean, you've got the the stuff to build around. If you just keep putting enough arms out there, you're gonna give yourself a chance. And I think they've got enough good talent around the diamond to fill in the gaps like they've been able to do. I mean, just their ability to fill in the gaps. Um and identify guys that needed new homes and you could find a place to succeed was what made them so good last year. And, and they, also have argue, they also have arguably the best player in the National League as a hit. Juan Soto? Yeah, Juan Soto. So, I mean, whenever you have a guy like that, you're going to – I mean, even still, with the Angels around Mike Trout, yeah, they haven't made the playoffs. They're pretty much a – I mean, when's the last time they were less than 75 win team? Yeah. It just doesn't happen very often because that guy's going to be able to will it at 10 months. So realistically, that's the type of guy Juan Soto is. He's an eight. He's going to be a consistent eight-win player. Yeah, I just think I think the goal with them is like they they know that this window is going to be at, it. This it's very much open. Like they're yeah. an old team, but the key parts of it, the the key cogs in in the machine, are not old as hell. Like and so no. they're going to have the ability if they can bring guys like a guy like Jackson Rutledge. Like I I mean they shouldn't fast track him, but like. He's, I mean, he is just powering his way through the minor leagues as it stands right now. And that's a guy that, you know, I, I mean, I think in some capacity you're going to see him. Like, they have a bunch of guys that I think they're going to try to use to help maintain this window. And then they're going to outsource the rest of it. Like, but the thing is, the pitching is where they need help. As, as good as their pitching was at times last year, like, they relied on Corbin a bunch because they had nobody in the pen they could go to. And so, you know, these guys, I mean, some of them are starters or whatever, but I mean, just the depth. You know, and guys like Austin both, too. I mean, they're just going to have enough arms in the background to plug guys in where they need to. And I think the more power pitching they take, more of these righties they take, you know, it's just more guys that they can just bring along and end up filling gaps. I mean, it's 
for me, like, yeah, I'd like him to get a guy, you know, who could play somewhere in the field and, and help that part of the game. But, I mean. They, that's great. That's great to a point. There becomes a point where it is over. And I feel like yeah, it's, a bit of over, it's a bit of overkill. If, if I, the Nationals aren't at that point where it's complete overkill, drafting pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, they're getting I close. think they're relatively close because if you look at the organizational depth around the diamond, yeah, you're fine in right field because you have Juan Soto. You're fine in a couple. You, you're. It's. Is there anywhere else? Is but is there anywhere else on the on the field where you could say, oh, maybe Trey Turner, maybe yeah, Trey, Trey Turner, Turner. Yeah, shortstop. Where, where you could say, oh, for the next eight years, this is our guy. I mean, but getting guys who are like eight-year players, I mean, even your. But you need, but you need guys that. Are, but okay, you could say, oh, for the next four years, this is our guy. Look at this. Look at this kid we have coming up that's nineteen years old. That theoretically takes you another four. Years. I don't know. That's just. I just don't I, like. I, think, I don't yeah, like. I, know, I understand the eight, the eight years yeah. thing, but like for them right now, I mean, like the window is what going to be what five years? Yeah, um, four, five, you, four if, years if, maybe. If it gets if it gets four years, I think Mike Mike Rizzo's doing a way better job than I'm giving than I even than I even gave him credit for with the pitchers that with him drafting the pitchers that I like. It's just I just think with I just think with yes, it's impossible to have a five year window in the league anymore. I mean, I think a five year window of being competitive. I mean, the Dodgers have been yeah, that's fair. The Dodgers have been involved and competitive, and the Dodgers have also. I mean, how yeah. many years have the Dodgers been the best team in baseball? Like like four or five? I mean, not record wise. Three. Like, I mean, yeah, but they they've I mean, been a. How much, when was the last time they didn't win the division? Oh, they didn't win the – I mean, their division has historically just been – It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. They're, 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 they're 2012. The Nationals are – Just keep yourself in it, and then once – you know, if you can get yourself to the dance. Like, <laughs> that's the thing is that, I mean, the other teams in the division are good, but, like, the Braves aren't going anywhere. You know, the, no. the, the, the Phillies don't want to go anywhere. The Mets don't want to go anywhere. There's no there's – no, you know, those teams are done rebuilding. The Braves, I mean, they, they haven't been rebuilding in a, a little while. But, like, and the Nationals are saying, okay, even though we won a World Series and we're pretty old, we, we're going to compete, and we're going to draft like we're going to compete. I mean, it's not like the NFL where you're drafting guys who are just going to play. Yeah. But, like, they're drafting – I mean, they're, they're doing as close to that as possible. I mean, a guy like Cade Cavalli is going to probably find his way to major leagues in the next, what, two or three years? I mean, he's – Realistically, if, if there was a season this year, I don't think he would have gone this year. I think if, if he was able to pitch in their system – in 2020, I think there was a shot he was going to come up with. 2020. Also, too, some of these guys might get fast tracked now even more, considering what's going to happen to some of these minor league clubs. Well, um, Jeremy Jeremy Frank, who's on Twitter, MLB Random Stats, posed a really interesting question last night that got me thinking, which was, let's assume there's a baseball season, which I think it's fair to say, in some capacity, any which way there might, there's probably going to be at this point. Right. How many of these guys that were drafted this year are going to play this season? It's I mean, probably going to be a. It's, I mean, a good I mean, number of them. So the last guy that did that, I'm pretty sure, is Chris Sale. I mean, they're going to what pitch in the same season he was drafted? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Chris Brandon, Sale. I don't know Brandon Finnegan did that for. Yeah, um, I think that was, that was before Chris Sale, wasn't it? Or no, we know. Exactly. 2014. Yeah, right. So Brandon Finnegan's last. Somebody guy. else did too. I forget who it was. But okay, it doesn't happen very often. It happens once every right. other year. Oh, you're right. Yeah. But you look at now, you're going to have probably expanded rosters because you're not oh, going to have you're not going to be able to have only 26 guys if you're um need taxi squads in case someone contracts Corona. And there are a lot of guys in this draft who are college 21-year-olds that are not that far off in the major leagues anyways. Reed Detmers, the Louisville kid that got picked by the Angels, probably right. pitch in the major league right now. Burl Callaway was a come second round pick. People thought, oh, he might be, even if there was a season in 2020, if their bullpen fell to crap at the end of the year, he might be forced off. People right. were saying that with Callaway for a while. So, Realistically, 
you're probably going to see a lot of these guys. And Kabali, I mean, Kabali's what, 20? Is he 21 or 22? He's, 20, 21, he's 21 years old. He's almost 22. He'll be, he'll be 22 by the time he throws another pick. Right? Old, kind of old enough back. for me. It's old enough for me. Let's get him up there. So real, realistically, it's not, out of, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that's, that could happen. I don't know where they sit on it. I don't know where Kabali sits on it. I really don't even know if he's majorly ready. But it's something I mean, probably not. But let's. Why the hell not? I mean, here's the thing: is that the problem with the problem that baseball is running into is that it's just such a traditionalist sport, traditionalist sport. Even though it has all these, like, in the sense of this, like, even with these with the new wave of analytics, when when people see the analytics, they're, they're like they stick to them. Like baseball is like people stick to certain things. They're they're much less adaptable than leagues like the NFL. It's one of the most adaptable leagues. People are adaptable to analytics, but like either you're, I mean. I think people have had a tough time marrying analytics to like eye tests in baseball. You know what I mean? People have had a really difficult time being like, you know, there's people who are old school or new school or players manager. And it's like, it seems like, you know, you're not really like, you're kind of in a certain lane. And I think what's interesting about this baseball thing is like, you know, it's going to force people to think differently just about the way this, like the way the season's going to happen this year. It's going to be different. You know, it's, it's like, it's just going to be different. And I encourage people not to be like, it's not a legitimate title. I mean, as long as the teams show up and compete, like we should count the title as legitimate. Here's, here's my other thing about the whole legitimate title, which I do, I kind of find that argument hilarious because, and you've said this about, I've said this about the MLB for a while, and that's the way that we pick the champion in the MLB. We play 162 games in the regular season. You play a maximum of, I have to do the math real quick, 20 games in the playoffs. Uh, you play 162 games, that's and that's two, two teams have a one-game playoff. Exactly. That's, that's absurd. That's how you're determining your champion. It's not off of the 162-game marathon. It's off of a literal sprint. So realistically, let's say that the playoffs are expanded to eight games. You have five, seven, seven, seven. That's 28 games of playoffs for a potentially 50-game season. Is that champion not more legitimate? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the baseball is, is just – they're just playing more intense baseball. Hey, exactly. I always bring this up too. When the, when the Heat won back in, I guess it was 2011 or was 2012. Lock, was that the lockout? Yes. Yeah, lockout. Nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that. Derrick Rose got hurt and it was a 50-some game season. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this. The hockey had a lockout that started, um, the season didn't end, it didn't start until late December, early January, five, five six, some, something like that years ago. Do you know who the champion that year was? Five, six years ago. What year was uh, it? Oh, it would have been 20. The lockout was the 14? like September of twenty. The September of twenty twelve was when the lockout started. Black you know, the, yeah, it was the Blackhawks. You yeah. remember that? But like the only reason you remember that yeah. is they were twenty two and zero, and it didn't end until March. And here's the thing: is like no one remembers that. And the, the problem is that like the COVID is going to be the reason that the season's short. But like to, to be honest, we should be more forgiving of that than we are for a work stoppage. Like we should be more forgiving of a pandemic shortened season than we should be of a, of a, of a season that was shortened due to, um, you know, due to, oh, you know, I mean, this one's also being shortened. Yes, yeah, this, this is practically a work stoppage at this point. Yes, I mean, at this point is. But like, you know, still, it, it, it's, all I'm saying is, look, it's, it's going to be an uneven playing field for everybody. And just because it doesn't like fit, you know, the teams are going to show up and compete. Like if, an, if the Nationals win the World Series, they defend their championship. Yeah, the season shortened. Yeah, it benefited them. But you know what? Everybody the same, the same, same shortened season. Like See, I don't even know if, if, if that theoretically does happen. I don't even think it's fair to say it benefited them. It's, I don't think this benefits anyone. Oh, it, it benefits the Nationals. 
See, I, I really don't think there's this whole no way it doesn't benefit. I mean, you think so I really don't think this whole situation benefits literally anyone. It benefits the Nationals. They're the oldest team in baseball. I really don't. I really don't. They're the oldest team in baseball, and they had and they had their pitchers went extra long last year to finish off the playoffs. This is this is all. This is good news. Either 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 way, you don't have a large part of this. I mean, there were the Nationals are relying on a 22 year old to replace their one of their best hitters from last year. That guy yeah. needs that bat. That guy needs to develop. But in a vacuum, yes. I mean, like, but in a I vacuum. Mean, you know, it, 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 it hurts them less than other teams. I'll right, so it benefits. But it does not, but I don't think it benefits. Literally. If it hurts, if you are a big, okay, this is semantics. If it hurts I, you I, less I, than other teams, what you're saying, but... it benefits it. Also, to think about this, this is the point that I, and I said this the other day, but think about this. The Nationals were on fire from May into the end of the season last year, right? Yeah. So what happens at this point is... If it's a shortened season, you've got a group of guys that know how to lock in, how to, how to win in a, in a shortened period of time. They've already done this. In a division where they're going to go up a bunch of teams that fancy themselves as being good enough to make a run but don't have the same amount of time or you know, haven't, haven't done it in that period of time. And so they're, they're at an advantage because they have been there and they're basically just going to pick up where they left off of their you know, last, last official game the Nats played was a game seven of the World Series. Crucial and pivotal. The first game of the season the Nationals are playing, the intensity is going to pick right back up from that point. There is going to be no sullying where they're going to have a World Series hangover. They can't have a hangover because this oh, – that's true. That much is true. I mean, it's, it's, it's – you know, there's built-up anger and frustration. People want to get back out there and play baseball again. The, the, everybody's going to try to bring it. The point is everybody's going to try to bring it from the word go. The Nationals know how to bring it and say, you've got a sprint here. It's, you know, it's not like – I mean – you get to 50 games, it's not like, well, you know, we're trying to make up this, you know, four games and, you know, we have a four game, we're four games back and we got 10 games to make it up, whatever it is. Just to give you an example. It's like, I mean, you can't fall behind. You know I mean? There's, there's no 30, 40 game stretch where you're going to, you know, you know, 20 games in. I mean, it's like, all right, if, if you're not doing it, then you're kind of hosed. I mean, realistically, I've, I've made, I made the analogy earlier that baseball season's a marathon that's run by the last hundred – that is that is determined by the last 200-yard sprint or whatever. Right. It's why the season's the difference, the difference is what this season's going to be, it's just going to be a mile sprint. Right. There is going to be the, none of this marathon aspect. It's just realistically, it's going to be what team has the most players that get hot at the right time. Yeah. The Nationals, the Nationals specifically, they had two seasons last year. If we're saying 50, 50 game season, the first 50 games of the year last year, they were, I don't think the worst team, they were 1931. I don't think the worst team in baseball. They were very they're close third to worst, the, I believe. Yeah, they were very close to the worst team in baseball. Right. So, I'm just telling you, I don't know how it doesn't benefit them. But, but that was, it, it's not going to, I don't think it's literally going to be who gets hot. Yeah, they might get hot. Juan Soto, Juan Soto might hit 400 for the first three weeks of the year, which is theoretically possible. That's half the season. But, in the same sense, Ron Soto could have a two-week slump, and at that point, you're looking back, you're four and ten, and there's not much time to make it up. Yeah. So that, I, I think it's it, the randomness factor, at least in the regular season, is going to more match the randomness factor of the playoffs. In the same sense, the Nationals last year only won the World Series because Trent, Trent Grisham misplayed the ball in right field in the wild card. Well, you know. So, but it's the randomness factor of the playoffs that is magnified. When the, the thing is, things go your way when you're like, you exactly. know, this, that's, that's just, the, I mean, also too, they got Josh Hader. Josh Hader is spectacular and they end up getting to him. 
I mean, come on, they're, uh, you know. It's, Hader, Josh Hader is the most interesting player in base. Josh Hader and Shane Bieber are the two most interesting players in I base. I Josh Hader for the there right is, There is no reason Josh Hader should be anywhere near as good as he is. His fastball is bad. I thought you were going to go somewhere no else. no speed, and it's not that fast. I thought you were going somewhere else. I have no else. clue why he is anywhere near as good as he is. Uh, to bring it back to the draft, who is your favorite – people that we haven't talked about yet, who is your favorite pick in, in the first round? Nick Gonzalez. Hand, Nick Gonzalez is the second best player in the draft. And I know we've talked. I'm, I know I brought this up at least once or twice with you. I don't think I, I don't think I brought it up on a pod, but I brought it up with you. That one of my favorite players in baseball, and the guy that I said before he was drafted a couple of years ago, that if he does not get three thousand major league hits, I'm going to be disappointed. Is Castillo from um, now? He's from the or he now plays Milwaukee second baseman. The way I see Nick Gonzalez, I see a lot of Castillo. I see Castillo with a little bit more pop. And this is a, this guy, Nick Gonzalez, tore apart the Cape Cod League more than I think any more yeah, MVP, than, right? He was the MVP. Yeah, he was the MVP. He was the MVP of the Cape Cod League. He hit like 400. He had in a 50 game season had 46 runs created or something like that, which that's it's not actual RBIs plus runs, but it's a metric. It's an absurd number. The next highest was in the low 30s. I mean, yeah. he just tore, and that's that's a, what that league. So that's a league that's pitcher friendly. He just tore apart. He he was the second best player in this draft. It was tor- in my mind. It was Torkelson one. It was Nick Gonzalez two. It was um, Heston Kirsten three. Those were my top three guys in this draft. Um, his glove's not great, but this guy is just a professional hitter, and he's going to be a problem. And I'm I'm not happy with it. Now my favorite team has to deal with Keston Hero for 20 games a year, and now Nick Gonzalez for 20 games a year. But yeah, hands down, that's the pick. All right, Tyler, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at BearCub7112. If you dare um, follow me on Twitter over there, if you want to follow at FPC underscore MLB, did a lot of draft coverage over there, full press coverage MLB. Um, a lot of draft talk last night. We were on a live stream for like four hours for round one of the draft. Um, a lot of just general baseball talk over there. A lot of when's baseball going to get to play and why it absolutely should be, which has been, I guess, the focus of the past three months now at this point so big facts. um yeah over there at fpc underscore all right tyler katie we appreciate your time today sir of course thanks for having me